This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. From Central Falls, Rhode Island City Hall, I sit down with Central Falls Mayor James Diosa. James Diosa was re-elected as mayor of Central Falls, Rhode Island in 2016, after rising to mayoral status in 2012 at the age of 27. In 2018, Mayor Diosa was also named president of the Rhode Island League of Cities and Towns, a testament to the work he has done as a leader of a municipality in the midst of recovery from near-economic collapse. Diosa's tenure as mayor has overlapped with a city emerging from bankruptcy, and he has been gradually working to guide Central Falls towards an era of renewed prosperity, driven by investments in infrastructure and the recalibration of decades-long policies. You may find each of my in-depth interviews with Rhode Island politicians, media members, artists, and beyond on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume content. You may also find each episode at BartholomewTown.com or RIPodcast.com. With the recent RICAS standardized testing scores presenting Central Fall students behind most of an already underperforming Ocean State's public school system, I wondered what signature issues Mayor Diosa would tackle to sure up his city's future during his final two years in office. I, I, I am cognizant that uh, the work uh, in Central Falls is not done. This is a community that just experienced bankruptcy. Uh, that's gone through a whole uh, cycle of change, Uh, a a community that now is no longer perceived as uh, I'm not going to visit because of many reasons. And I think uh, the fact that we were dubbed the Comeback City is, is a testament to the work that's been done here. And so we've done a lot. I think that aside from the typical things that any mayor would focus on as uh, like things like infrastructure, uh, safety, uh, education, finance, and community events, I think we've covered all that. I think what's powerful is the projects that are on its way in, such as the train station, which will connect us to Providence, Boston area. Uh, Rhode Island College, uh, taking over a building on Dexter Street, which will empower our families for workforce development, uh, teacher certification programs, an array of programs that will be beneficial not only to Central Falls residents, but the Blackstone Valley. We have a new health facility opening up in January that will have capacity to serve 90% of our residents with urgent care, which is tremendous for us. Services from Uh, Family care, all the way to dental, mental health, physical therapy will be offered there. And we're starting to see a little bit of the overspill from the Boston market. Uh, Developers coming in and developing lofts, uh, high-end lofts. Uh, No one thought this could work, and it's working. So the culture, the environment, the stigma is is slowly changing, and is why, uh, even though I have two years left in my term as I term out, uh, it continues to be my priority. As far as statewide, uh, you know, I think anyone is flatter, flattered to see their name be mentioned among other great 
great leaders in the in the state, especially in our Democratic Party. Uh, I, I I I value that. I think um, I I would have to really understand uh, where I am when my two years are up to see if if I'm able to do the job that is needed to make Rhode Island uh, continue on its road of progress. Uh, and I'll, evaluate, I'll evaluate any options because, uh, as I tell people, I am still, you know, very young. And even though I've been in politics now for uh, close to uh, eight years now, from the city council to mayor, I still have a lot to learn. And I, I want to make sure that uh, if I'm elected to any other office, that I can be productive and a good public servant. It's interesting today. There's been talk on the conservative talk radio, mostly is where I heard this chatter. But just that with developments in the General Assembly out in Bristol Warren, that there's uh, people who are young. They're only in there on the idea of identity politics. They can't possibly have the wherewithal to or information to actually govern. Then I immediately thought, well, I'm on my way to Central Falls uh, city hall to, to, you know, you're what, 29 years old. I was 27 when I got elected. Okay. First got elected. Um, so I'm it can 30. be done. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it can. I think, I think regardless of age, uh, if you, if you've never been in politics, you come in, uh, once elected on, on this, with this ideology. And, um, that happened to me at the city council level happened to me when I became mayor uh, but once you're in, you're, it, it changes because there's, there's a reality. Um, and doesn't mean you lose your, uh, your ideology of how you want government to function, how you want to serve your people. I just think that there's realities where you now have to look at things very differently. And so that's that, that statement that young people can't govern, uh, it's completely false. Right. It's understanding how that how to build the coalitions and use the entire machine, if you will, for to your advantage as best as you can. I, I, I think anyway, more so than coming in guns a blazing and f- whether you're on the progressive end of the spectrum or the far right end of the spectrum and expecting to really move the, the meter. Do, do you feel that that's the, the way that anyone should govern based on your experiences working within the system to advance your goals rather than, you know, being a, complete just an advocate if you will yeah i think having uh, awareness is important uh every every politician has an agenda how they believe they can best move their ideologies along how to best serve their community uh but i th- but, but when you're in the system remember you know the, the mayor's office wasn't created yesterday it's been in existence especially in central falls for a hundred years there is there is a structure that can be adjusted. I, I, I don't know if it can be changed completely from one day to another, but I think if we looked at the mayor's office back when the city was incorporated in 1895, I'm sure that with every mayor that was elected, there's been a certain change that's moved the needle in one way or the other. And I'm sure that whatever I contributed here, it'll be different uh, for the next mayor to come in. So. Again, you're elected to, you run for public office to serve the public. That's number one. If you come into politics to sort of 
look at what you can do to get the spotlight and to be, you know, the, the young politician, except that's, that drives you down the wrong path. And that's, 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 that is where people get in trouble, I believe. But if your goal is to op open up opportunities for people in your community to give the best services in your community, you'll use any structure and, and get the end goals and results for your people. Have you learned a lot from Lieutenant Governor McKee and the mayors uh, the of the surrounding sort of northern Rhode Island, if you will, Providence Metro, Blackstone Valley area, Mayor Policina, uh, Lombardi, Mayor's Policina, Lombardi, um, Grebian, they all seem to be part of a peer group, if you will, of mayors who sort of practice this practical advancement of ideas. Is that something you feel like you're a part very, of? Very, very. And, you know, I, I've, uh, one of the best advice uh, that I've heard or I've learned about was knowing what you don't know. So I, I'm, I'm quick to pick up the phone and talk to my peers. And they've been very helpful. They've They've all dealt with similar situations very differently, and uh, they all play a valuable role in our state. So, yeah, I think the, from all the way from the lieutenant governor, who was a former mayor and a neighbor mayor when I got elected, to Don Grebian, Lombardi, they all they all play a significant role in how I resolve issues and how I look at uh, my role and. And then, you know, once you gather all that information, it's up to myself, uh, my person, to make the best decision. So it's all, it's important. I think for young, younger generations who are coming into politics, it is critical for them to have a mentor or someone they can just talk to that's in government or experienced government because it's very different once you cross that line from being... Uh, a, a candidate to being an elected official. Life changes a lot. And I think people need to be aware of that. Yeah, it's it's not just a buzzword on LinkedIn, peer-to-peer -peer mentoring. It's something that is critical at this point in, I think, where we are in the world, really passing on information that's verified by someone you trust, mm -hmm. You know, not just hoping for the best. Yeah, I agree. There are educational results that were released uh, last week painted some would say a grim picture others would just say it's just how it is and we've got work to do depending on your perspective they weren't the results weren't great on the standardized test as compared with massachusetts overall there was an emergency meeting in, in central falls uh, i think high school last night um on this topic where do, where do you see the need really being right now in terms of advancing education in central falls and statewide frankly so it's so this uh, this definitely this is definitely an emergency uh, because even though uh, the school district hasn't uh, achieved the goals that we've wanted, we've been considered a failing school district. Uh, there are, there are multiple things that I think that needs to happen, and I think that what you saw yesterday or what you read about yesterday was that people's tolerance level was was met. I think people are done with uh, seeing the scores, yelling about it one day, and then going back to normal life and saying, yeah, that's Central Falls. I think yesterday, uh, the, the, 
the moving words, uh, the powerful words came from the parents. Enough is enough. And so there's a lot of things that can be done and you know, things that are working. Kids need good facilities to, to go to school. Teachers need good facilities to, to be able to teach in. And that's uh, where Central Falls is working to uh, create a master plan on, on all our buildings, assessing the needs, and ideally is to build a new high school. And that's why we've been supportive of the treasurer with his whole new constructions program for schools. Second, uh, Central Falls is 70% Latino, and we have a high percentage of English learning, English language learners. Uh, and back to my first point of Latinos, Latinos rank last in the country uh, as far as uh, educational achievement. So that's a big concern in itself. And with the English le- learning, lang- the English le- uh, language learners, uh, everyone will cite that there needs to be more funding for this, for this uh, specific area where we can hire more specialists to be able to help our kids who just came from different countries and are entering our school district. That's important. Uh, you're, you're asking kids to take a test who are not immersed in the language yet and expect them to achieve. And we all know that Central Falls has a very diverse population. And, uh, you know, I've had, I've had my meetings with my superintendent, and the city is ready to uh, take a, a, a bigger step with, with them. And we've played a role, just like I said, you know, facilities, uh, having Rick move into Central Falls at a certain level. Um, we built a, a tutoring center so that the school district can have an outside uh, building that they can uh, help our kids who are struggling get services. So it's a combination of a lot of things, but you know we don't, you know we 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 struggle with the idea of funding and education, and we need to fund fund this program to to the levels where it needs to be funded. How can you source that? Is that all state funding, or is there yeah, a grant-based way to do it? It's just straight state funding. Yeah, it's, it's no. yeah, that, and I think you know e- ELLs is where uh, communities in the urban core uh, see the difference, and you know you can ask the Providence Mayor, the Pawtucket Mayor, and myself, and we'll all cite this pretty much the same things. Uh, ELLs is where our focus needs to be. Certainly, seems to be the obvious answer to that when you go through those. The, the, the results of that test, of course, Barrington or East Greenwich, who have a far less, uh, far smaller population of ELLs, mm-hmm. are going to score better on tests written in English. So it's not particularly a level playing field anyway. Yeah. yeah. What kind of relationship do you have with um, Chief Mendonca? Do you feel like the community and the police are in, in kind of a, a good spot right now as far as their working relationship? We've, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. And one one thing that I will tell you is that uh, I've never I've never experienced the level of interaction uh, that our community has been able to experience with our police department. The fact that our police chief has been able to adopt a community uh, community policing model is, I believe, paramount to what urban communities uh, should focus on because. Uh, it makes a difference at the end of the day. We have school resource officers. I know there's there's different ideologies around that, but 
I've noticed a great benefit as far as this community policing model that the school resource officers have. And I'll tell you one story. Uh, once in a while, I like to get in a police cruiser and ride around with, with some of the officers. And uh, one day, I saw one of our school resource officers in the summer when they're not in the schools pretty much be recognized and acknowledged by the kids by first name basis. They come up to him, say hi. Wasn't that a conversation with a person of authority? It's like talking to your friend. And there is a lot of power in that because people trust, people will open up, and I think that a community will be safer because of that. So violent crime has gone down uh, 35% in these last two years. And I think that model has been the, the reason that we've experienced that. So we've, we've come a long way and we've, We've emphasized uh, how important it is to diversify our police department. And we do recruiting uh, as best as we can to attract the best candidates, uh, hoping that they come from different backgrounds so that they can relate to our community. Right. It's really a humanization of the process, if you will, between because it's a two-way street, of course. Now the officer also recognizes the kids or not necessarily kids, but the person they're interacting with mm-hmm. as well. And it's it's much more a uh, practical way of governing yes. and running a society. Right? Absolutely. Last question, your vision for Central Falls here. It's it's a beautiful city. I'm really glad that we did this um, interview here today just so I could pull in. It's, I referee soccer. I refereed the Lusitania Club quite a bit growing oh, yeah. up. You know, my parents would drop me off and then have hours to kill and walk around. This is like 25 years ago. Well, not, I mean, not that long, 20 years ago. And um, it's, it is amazing to be here. I can verify that this, there's been visible growth just driving around. Um, what's the point, though, of course, when, if, you over, if you overstimulate the city with Boston or you know, overflow from Boston with condos and so on and so forth. There's always that tipping point. Mm-hmm. We saw it on the west end of Providence. I lived in Brooklyn for a decade and got pushed out of there because of the same type of thing, mm-hmm. um, as did many other people. Uh, what's that balancing act of, quote, really gentrification, I guess? Yes, uh, and it, it is, a, it is a, a topic, a conversation with all my directors. And it is possible that uh, it could happen. I think the way we control it is uh, we've been fortunate enough to be working with the state, with Rhode Island Housing and Pawtucket Central Falls Development and building uh, new structures that are affordable housing. They're restricted. They can't uh, be sold for more than what pretty much a certain percentage of what they bought it for. And continuing those practices today is what I believe will have that balance in, in the future for us. It could happen, and, 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 and making sure that we're aware is important, and that's why properties that the city takes over, we try to work with our par- par- partners in the nonprofits uh, to have folks uh, not only renovate it, make them nice, but create opportunities where affordable how, uh, affordability is present. And what's great is is we've been able to see how neighborhoods change because of these 
new uh, houses that are being built. Uh, families' confidence go up, pr productivity, they're healthier, they're caring. Literally, you in a small block of a neighborhood, it transforms. Uh, so, and remember, affordable housing in some other communities, it's like has a negative perception. But affordable housing could be to your teacher, your police officer, your recent college grad. You can't afford uh, these high markets. So we we govern with the idea that we got to keep things uh, as affordable as possible and be intentional about it. As always, thank you for listening to the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Until next time, I'm Bill Bartholomew. We'll talk soon.